Hello, and welcome everyone to Stand By Me's podcast series. Stand By Me is a partnership between the United Way of Delaware and the State of Delaware that offers free one-on-one support to Delawareans who want to understand more about their money, make good financial decisions, and achieve their financial goals. Today's podcast will focus on the challenges that Hispanic and Latino individuals, particularly first or second generation immigrants to the U.S., have with financial planning and the types of support that the Stand By Me program can offer. Joining us for today's discussion are Maria Ramos and Edwin Santos. My name is Maria Ramos. It's actually Maria Isabel Ramos. I am the Stand By Me coach over at Interfaith Community Housing of Delaware. I do the home coaching. So basically what that means is I'm getting clients prepared to become homeowners. And Edwin? I am Edwin Santos. Um, I am a part of Stand By Me Next Gen. Stand By Me Next Gen is a school-based program in which we um, start with financial aid um, coaching. And then we also work on um, financial literacy in the classroom. So the... Latino population is one of the fastest growing population segments in the state of Delaware. And I think that's true in a lot of states. Why is this conversation and the services that you all provide to this population so important? So to to your point about the fastest growing population, just to give you a little bit of perspective um, in Delaware. So in Delaware, for academics right now enrolled in K through 12 schools, Uh, There are 141,000, roughly almost 142,000 students as of September 2022. 18.9% of those students enrolled are or identify as Hispanic or Latino, um, which is almost 30,000 students. Um, And on top of that, not many of them are matriculating into college um, or, or don't at the same rate as mm-hmm. uh, other Delawareans. Um, so about 25% of Hispanic and Latino um, in across the country, 25% have an associate's degree or higher in terms of Latinos versus 48% of their uh, white classmates. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that is because of you know, a lot of the immigration that happens into our country, those first generation families, they don't have an idea of of what going to college is like in the United States. You know, like, for example, my mom, she is a college educated, uh, you know, worker right now, um, but she went to college in Puerto Rico where it was it was a part of education. Mm-hmm. Where here, you know, it's that next piece where you have to apply, you have mm-hmm. to find financial aid. And it's totally different from, you know, countries that other um, students are coming from. So that first generation piece is really challenging in my line of work. So that's where we come in to explain what the process is like, what it's like to go to college, um, what financial aid is like. Right. And a lot of the families that don't know uh, are missing out on tons of money and scholarships and need based aid for school. What do you think are some of the reasons that they they miss out on this? You know, I think first is awareness, right? There's not as much in terms of marketing um, geared towards Spanish language families in terms of matriculating into college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they hear about um, the federal government, right, because the FAFSA is a federal form, um, they can get a little leery with that, you know, especially my undocumented clients, they can get a little bit dicey when it comes in when they hear that word federal, when they hear taxes, 
right? Because you need tax returns to complete the FAFSA. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you know, that finance piece of it where, you know, a lot of the clients that I help, they're working class families, right? These are blue collar uh, families that pay a lot of stuff in cash, right? They pay a lot of stuff in cash. They're not really used to, or even able to borrow or get loans in most cases, right? So there's their kids that are um, born and raised here. That That's the first generation that can take out a federal loan. Yeah. That's the first generation that can get a credit card. Um, so there is some reservations there with, with the population I serve. And Maria, what are your thoughts in this area of some of the, some of the, the structural barriers or cultural barriers? What do you see? Well, what I see is that there is some cultural barriers as far as what they were accustomed to growing up. Um, you know, like for instance, single mothers or just Hispanic women are, were never, were never installed to get your education. You know, they were always the, the topic for them was always get married, have children. So that has, that dynamic is now, is changing now. Hmm. Um, and it's, you know, and there aren't a lot of information to out there for them to search and to see and to be able to hear. So they will know that there's a difference. Um, and then there's, there's, there's cultural differences in the Latino community itself, be, be, depending on where they're from. So all that is also a difference. It's a difference in the way they speak. It's a difference in the way they grew up. So, you know, just trying to tie all that in together, you know, you got to really be uh, culturally aware. And then back to the bigger picture, you know, we're all one community. We're all one population within the state. We might mm-hmm. have different ethnicities, different different backgrounds, different heritage. But if we're going to create a healthy community, we have to be able to cater to all. Right. That's a lot of where I see and so many people see Stand By Me coming in is to try to help level that playing field. Mm -hmm. So talking specifically about the areas where each of you work, what are the kinds of things that you can provide to help to connect the dots, to help bring information, to help connect to resources and help to serve this population that has very specific and unique needs? Well, I think just basically giving them the encouragement and letting them know that they can, mm-hmm. you know, it's, si tu puedes, yes, you can, you know, and letting them know that you, there's some specific steps you have to take to get to where you need to be, but it's, it's not impossible. And in the area of home ownership, which is where you work with this Stand By Me Home program, what's different about a Latino looking at buying a home versus someone else? Well, the language itself, a lot of the documented documentations as for home ownership are are mostly in English. Hmm. Um, it's really hard sometimes to get documentation in Spanish so they can understand it. So basically, you know, if there's we have some, of course, Lat- Latina um, counselors and they can definitely you know, break it down to them in Spanish so that they can understand what's going on. But it's, it would be really nice if they could just read it for themselves also. What else do you see? Are there specific things that you can bring to them to help? There's different types of down payment assistance programs that help them. There's the, um, we all know there's USDA that's out there and that's for low income families if they're in that bracket, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, there's definitely a couple programs that co- programs come and go. So it might not be one today, but it'll be there tomorrow. And also, and, and that's another issue, you know, having them know that there's, you know, I know a lot of them tend to be in a rush and it makes them, you know, work a little faster on things that if they just sat back and waited, you know, they would have more opportunities that way. It sounds like a lot of what you and your team is able to bring to the table is that that 
partnership and helping people find things that they don't know exist. Mm-hmm. Because this is your world. You're out there trying to help people get homes. You're looking for every potential way that you can give them an advantage to help become a homeowner. They may not know about these. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of them don't. You got to explain to them why sometimes the programs are even put in place that they where they are. You know, mm-hmm. for instance, you know, um, why am I needing to take an eight-hour first-time homebuyer workshop? You know, yeah. and so explaining that to them also. Talk a little bit about the the yes, you can, because you brought that up. And I think that's a really, really good point. How important is that? And and how much is that a key component of helping them understand that confidence of someone believing in them? Well, they, they come in sometimes with the idea of if you if you're going to be an homeowner, homeowners, because you're rich, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like you don't necessarily have to be rich to be a homeowner. And then, you know, getting them to understand what takes place with being a homeowner and so they can understand that anybody can be in a homeowner. So Edwin, talk a little bit about um, how the Stand By Me Next Gen program helps this population. What are the specific challenges? What are the things that you experience? How are you able to meet that need and help them understand? Similar to Maria, yes, you can. You can go to college. For Next Gen, um, you know, we start as early as ninth and 10th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, with a program called College Careers and Cash. Um, that program was developed um, several years back. Um, we do it in ninth and 10th grade. We have two versions now, Explore and Envision. And when I was hired, I was hired um, out of a need for uh, you know supplementing uh, Spanish language, right? So we started there in ninth and 10th grade where we do the uh, financial literacy portion of it, mm-hmm. right? Where we're figuring out what your lifestyle is going to cost you, figuring out what level of education you need to support the lifestyle you want, figuring out what kind of job uh, you're, you, you may be interested in, right? What kind of degree you need to do that, right? So we started that all in English. Then when I came on, we, we did the research and we translated it. Um, we made it, you know, culturally relevant. Um, we also used websites, um, in the English version, we use a, web, a website called the Occupation Outlook Handbook, which is a part of the Bureau for Labor Statistics. There is a Spanish language version called Mi Proximo Paso, where you can go in and you can uh, research a job. You can figure out if the job's popular in the United States. You can figure out what kind of degree you need, how much money you would make starting out, how much money you'd make uh, after many years on the job, right? And so we start there. You kind of give them that uh little bit of coaching in that area, right? Where we're figuring out what is it that you want to do? What are you interested in, right? What what do you want to do for the rest of your life? What kind of job do you want to have, right? And we get that out of them. And then they go through high school. And then in senior year, they see us again. They're like, hey, I saw you in 10th grade. Like, yeah, here I am again. Now that you want to go to college, right? Now that you want to go to college, now we need to figure out where we're going to go to college. We need to figure out how we're going to pay for it, right? First with the FAFSA. And then we go in and we help them to find scholarships, right? And a lot of the clients that I work with are the Spanish language students, right? Whose mm-hmm. parents, you know, have, have immigrated here and they're first generation, right? So these students have no idea what this process is like because yeah. their parents didn't go to college here. Uh, and there's a statistic about that that's really interesting. 70% of adults ages 22 to 59 with at least one parent who has a bachelor's degree or more education have completed a bachelor's degree themselves. 
right? So 70% of people whose parents, at least one parent has a degree, go on to get degrees. Yeah. Right. So Spanish population, uh, a lot of the people that are coming in might not have a degree in the United States. Yeah. Right. So it's it's already a challenge that's being built in just based on, you know, the way we are. Right. Seventy yeah. percent. Right. So 70 percent of adults who have that degree, their kids go on to have degrees. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're helping by helping them understand that, yes, you can, just like you were saying, you can do it. Right. You're 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 first generation, but you're a citizen. You're eligible for federal financial aid. You're eligible for scholarships. And not only that, but sometimes you're even eligible for more scholarships than other students based on your nationality, mm-hmm. based on being first generation. Right. There's a scholarship at Dell State. Right. It's called Inspire HBCU. Right. It's a historically black college and university. They thrive with minority students, right? So there is tons of opportunity for both documented and undocumented students in our state. And Maria talked about foreign language speakers being intimidated by some of the paperwork. I mean, FAFSA is incredibly intimidating, even for native English speaking folks. I can't even imagine when you're looking at that and and not being as fluent in the language and trying to decipher what you need to do, how you need to do it, when you need to do it, and then the application process. So uh, again, just having a partner in that is huge. Yeah, up up until this year specifically, undocumented parents who were helping their students fill out the FAFSA had to do a completely uh, different additional step. Yes, and parents with social security numbers. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And it was it was if you didn't know what you were doing, it's incredibly easy to get lost. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it used to be that you had to fill out the form a specific way. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Certain things spilled out, filled out a specific way. And then you had to print a piece of paper. Right. Typically, parents and students don't have to print anything. They can submit it all digitally. Right. So not only do you have that language component that's completely different. Now you're asking them to do something that most English families will probably have a challenging time doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just this year um, with the FAFSA Simplification Act that undocumented parents are able to create a digital account and sign digitally like all the other families before. So okay. this is a huge step. Uh, and not a lot of families know that right now. Let's talk about what kind of impact do you see that Stand By Me is having in this community? It's definitely having an impact in home ownership. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, going through with the, when the client comes to me to do stand by me, they're doing stand by me before they go to a housing counselor. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a pretty good amount of number of, of Hispanic Latinos that actually go through me to go get housing counseling. So it's definitely having an impact on their not, you know, and stand by me is pretty much them learning new financial habits, you know, mm-hmm. them getting information on some things that they probably weren't even thinking about when they were getting they were getting their paycheck, you mm-hmm. know, like oh, like now we've, we've we started focusing a lot on retirement, you know, them, you know, saving up for emergencies just in case something happens that they're not able to pay their mortgage, you know, all that is going through Stand By Me before they even go to the housing counselor. Sure. So, so they're they're pretty much really getting a lot of info and getting really prepared for what they're about to get into. Edwin, do you see any stats of um, specific uh, increase in college registration or FAFSA completion within the Hispanic and Latino community? 
Well, I can speak to that by speaking to the statistics of our state as a whole. Um, we are in the top 10 for FAFSA completion uh, in the United States, right? There's a few states that are ahead of us that require um, FAFSA for graduation, and we're behind them by just a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So we're in the top 10 uh, schools of the in, the in the entire country in terms of FAFSA completions. So, you know, speaking to those 150 some odd thousand students in the education system in Delaware, right? If we're in, we're in the top 10% of that uh, for mm-hmm. FAFSA completion. But speaking to what you said about staying by me in the community, a big part of working with the Latino communities is building trust. You think about someone that's come to a new country who's living by a whole new different set of laws, rules, standards, culture, and you have to realize that there's going to be some reservations, Absolutely. right? There's going to be some reservations when it comes to a, a new system for, for work, for pay, for finance, you know, for school. Um, so building that trust piece is, is super important because once, once, once a Latino like me uh, knows that you have their best interests at heart, right? They're going to keep coming back to you, right? Sure. They trust you, right? They're going to refer their friends and family to you. Specific to Stand By Me Next Gen, you know, when I work with and help a student to complete the FAFSA and get anywhere, you know, as much as $7,000 in federal uh, grants with the Pell Grant, or I point a student in the direction of, you know, the SEED scholarship or Inspire, or uh, the scholarship compendium for Delaware State, uh, Delaware Student Success Collaborative. Uh, I'm giving them money that they can use to go to college. I'm giving them that resource, right? So when the parents see that, you know, they're coming back year after year to renew the FAFSA, right? They're calling me year after year, right? They're sending new clients saying, hey, X, Y, and Z told me that you did a great job helping their senior find money for college. Now my kid's that age. Right. So it's it's like a snowball effect. You know, once you break into it, once you once the community knows that you have their best interests at heart and you're offering them uh, this wealth of knowledge and resources. Right. They refer other people and they trust you and they keep coming back. Right. And then, you know, it's just that's that's where I see stand by me next gen playing a part in the Latino community. And I think across the board, one of the most amazing things about the Stand By Me program in general is that it's one-on-one. And it's so much easier to create that trust in that kind of a relationship. And it's so different than, all right, here's a website with a bunch of resources that you can research on your own, or Mm -hmm. here's a seminar or a workshop you can go to that's a one-time flash-in-the-pan thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is so important as a context for this, because you're creating that partnership. You're creating that that longer term thing where you're kind of walking with them for a little bit in this period of their life, wherever their need is, um, and focusing on specific solutions that are applicable to them and their lives. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I think just in and of itself, it helps to make a, a, a good foundation of trust, which is where the work really happens. What have I missed? What have I, what have I not asked? What else is important as part of this conversation? Everyone knows that there 
our services with Stand By Me and with United Way, you know, that start from child all the way up to retirement, right? And and my specific piece, you know, we focus on a very specific pivotal part of a young adult's life, right? But there are the other elements of different parts of Stand By Me and different parts of the United Way that help in every other phase of life, you know, and and in Spanish and English, right? And if not, you know, there it's, you know, it's easy enough for us to call up, you know, someone else that we work with that might know Spanish or that might be able to help um, to, you know, at least point people in the right direction. Um, and I think that's super cool. I, I'm super stoked on the work I do specific to, you know, the clients I work with, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, when a parent doesn't have their taxes finished or, you know, a parent uh, needs help with a certain aspect of a financial part of the FAFSA, sometimes we can point them in, you know, a different direction within our organization, right? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we get referrals from 211, we get referrals from Stand By Me coaches, right? And we all have this network where if we can't help you, someone else within our organization can. And that's super cool that there's no spot that's being missed in English or Spanish. And all of this being provided at no cost to the customer. I mean, this is a free service. And that's so, so huge for the population of this state. Thank you both very much for your time and for all the information that you shared and for all the work that you do day in and day out, working hands-on with people, making a difference in people's lives and making a difference in the state of Delaware. state of Delaware and by our generous partners and donors. For more information, visit www.standbyme.org or facebook.com slash standbymedelaware. If you are in need of emergency food assistance, Delaware 211 is the state's referral hotline. Dial 211 or 1-800-560-3372 or text 898-211 or visit www.delaware211.org.